you know that that's the way some of us are, that there are times that we've seen God do some things in our past? Come on, you ain't got to sit here and act like God has never done anything for you, that God has never healed your body, that God has never made a way for you, that God ain't never paid a bill, that God has never given you unexpected favor, that when you went to go and eat your dinner or your lunch in a restaurant, somebody from across the room paid for your ticket, and you were trying to figure out how you were going to get past the embarrassment of your debit card being declined, somebody ought to admit this morning that God has been faithful in our past. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16, if you're there, say amen. Amen. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Somebody shout a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is the word of the Lord. The grass, that's right, you can clap your hands off the word. When the word speaks to you, you you ought to rejoice, amen. The word of God for the people of God, as you take your seat, shout my title to your neighbor, tell them, I'm not done yet. The Lord says, I'm not done yet. Serena Williams was featured on the cover of the August 16th, 2018 issue of Time Magazine. She was there on the cover in one of her many striking poses, and the caption over the photo on that cover reads, nothing about me is perfect right now, but I am perfectly Serena. In her interview with Sean Gregory, Serena spoke of the many complications that she had endured in the aftermath of her pregnancy. She spoke of the complications she endured while birthing her 11-month-old daughter, Alexis Olympia. She talked about getting over postpartum depression, falling in love with a white man, and getting back in the game after experiencing the worst defeat of her career. In reflecting on her various challenges, Serena said something that I believe is worthy of our reflection and consideration. She said, I don't know if there is anything left for me in tennis, but I know that I'm not done yet. She said, I'm not done yet. Despite a complicated pregnancy, despite a new baby, despite postpartum depression, despite the new normal of being a wife and a mother, despite being a world-famous athlete, despite experiencing defeat and a biased referee last night in the Grand Slam tournament, I believe Serena would still say, I'm not done yet. In the face of what could have been speculation of whether or not she could make a comeback, Serena said, I'm not done yet. I've had some impressive 
some impressive and unprecedented victories and some amazing wins. She won 72 career single titles, 23 double titles, two mixed double titles. She's a four-time Olympic gold medalist. She has won more than $84 million in career prize money, more than any female athlete. And some would say that she ought to be satisfied. Some would say she ought to just thank God that God let her have the success that she had and go home and be a wife and a mother to her baby. But with all that Serena has achieved, Serena still declares, I'm not done yet. And I want to suggest to you that this is what I hear the Lord saying through Isaiah in today's text. The Lord is saying, I'm not done yet. Notice what the text says. The text says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert. Y'all don't know when to shout. I don't know if you heard what Isaiah said. He says that God says he's making a way in the desert. He's bringing streams in wasteland. Whoever heard of water in dry places? But when God is in the equation, I need somebody to agree with me that anything is possible. Can you preach to your neighbor and tell him anything is possible when God is in the equation? He said, the wild animals will honor me and the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the desert and streams, Minister Mona, in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, my people I have formed for myself that they might proclaim my praise. Today's text is taken from that portion of the book of Isaiah that is referred to as Second Isaiah. The period of Second Isaiah's ministry is believed to be located somewhere around the last 6th century at the time when Judah, after the kingdoms have split, was in exile. Exile means that they have been deported from their native country and they're now living under the rule, in this case, Babylon of a foreign power. The exiles have been deported some 50 years earlier and their temple and their homeland has been destroyed. They've been taken captive out of their land, transplanted into a strange land, cut off from their God. Everything that was familiar to them was no longer a part of their context, of their setting. Some of the people who had been sent into exile into Babylon, while others remained in the land that had been taken by the king, regardless to their physical location, whether they were in Babylon or in a land that had been stripped of all that was familiar, including its identity, both groups suffered debilitating effects of being in exile and being a conquered people. In other words, in every imaginable way, the people felt the power and the strength of their enemies. They were economically, religiously, and culturally separated from their best lives. They were separated from everything that was familiar. Their sense of identity had been stripped away, and they longed for something that they do not have. If you've ever been in a challenging situation for any extended period of time, if you've ever been in a pe period of, metaphorically speaking, captivity or exile, where it seems that God is absent or God is passive or God is a distant or aloof, that God ain't saying nothing, that you're praying and it seems, God help me, that your prayers are hitting the season. It can be very easy, even if it's not 50 years, it can be 50 days, Carol Ingram, to become discouraged 
disheartened, and disempowered. These are people who are in a bad place. Look at your neighbor and say they were in a bad place. They were in a place where they could have been depressed, where they could have given over to depression, given over, God help me preach, to a spirit of hopelessness because they are captives to the politics and the power of their circumstance. And even though they're not, this captivity is not like the Egyptian captivity. When they were under bondage to Pharaoh and they were enslaved, they were still displaced from the confidence of their home setting and they were under duress of a foreign and pressure of a foreign national power. And as if that wasn't enough, there was also the threat of invasion from foreign powers. The engines of war were churning and were set up and ready to besiege the city. But I need to tell you that it wasn't just military warfare that they were probably experiencing. They were probably experiencing psychological and soul warfare. Anytime you're in a dead place, a dead zone, you know what a dead zone is like. You have calls to drop on your phone all the time when you can't get a signal. Y'all want to talk. Uh, if you were to use this imagery of having a dead zone on your phone and apply that to your life, you know how you feel when you can't make a connection. You know how frustrating it is when you're trying to make a connection and you can't get anybody on the phone and every time, y'all won't talk. You dial it, you keep getting called, failed, or you get this operator on the line saying that they cannot, the person that you're trying to reach cannot be reached at this time. There's something frustrating about going through seasons of disconnection from God. Even though God may be really actually not be absent, God's hiddenness. God's silence, y'all won't talk, is such that it causes us to, to, to potentially draw erroneous conclusions. We think that God has left us. We think that God has forgotten about us. We think that God has stopped causing his face to shine upon us. We think that God has turned his back on us, that our season is up, that our best days are behind. There's something about feeling as if you have, you have exhausted your best opportunities and the best years are behind you and the best doors have been closed it's not just physical but it's also mental there's something mentally and psychologically that causes that that worries us and worries us when we're in those situations of disconnect but the people were also guilty it wasn't just that God was absent but God was absent for a reason they were in their miserable situation because of their own doing because of their idolatry because of their failure to honor God because y'all ain't saying nothing because of the fact that they took God for granted touch your neighbor said you can play with God if you want to uh, but at some time at some point God is coming back you're gonna reap what you sow you can walk around that's the reason why I say to you all the time don't ever let anybody fool you and make you think that your service to God is in vain. Don't ever let anybody fool you and laugh at you and ridicule you because of your commitment to God because your destiny, y'all ain't saying nothing, is going to be different from the folk that treat God like an option. There are people in the day, in this day and time, that treat God like an option. They can stand in line for, for a, a tailgate party. They can sit in a car for three hours waiting to get a parking lot to drink a, a can of beer and eat a grill hot dog. They can stand in line for a concert with Beyonce and Jay-Z. They ain't got nothing to do with what you go and where you spend your time. But something is wrong when you can stand in line for a game, when you can stand in line for a concert, but you can't make time. I'm here to tell you, 
Your life is going to be different when you honor God. The Bible said to the faithful, he shows himself faithful. And to those that are faithful to God, God is faithful to them. To the merciful, God is also merciful. You need to go on and shout now. Look at somebody and say, can I shout now? Because I can't wait. I need to go on and shout because I have pressed my way. I have done what God has asked me to do. I have served when I didn't feel like serving. And my ladder is going to be greater than my past. Can you just encourage somebody and tell them your ladder is going to be greater? Don't let nobody fool you and make you think you come to church every week. You giving your tithe and your offering. You serving when you're tired, when you're sick, when you're broke, busted, and disgusted. Shake that hand and tell somebody, my ladder is going to be greater. Their circumstances were a result of their own doing. And because of their captivity, some of them even had been born into captivity. Because some of them were in captivity, and you know, they didn't stop making babies. They didn't stop getting married. They didn't stop building houses. They didn't stop, y'all ain't talking, building and planting. So some of the children, y'all won't talk to me, that were born in this 50-year captivity knew no other way of life because they were born into captivity. They have adapted some of them to the culture of their oppressor. They are blocked by Judah by an impassable desert. It feels like God has forgotten about them and abandoned them. In fact, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 27 laments that they say my way is hidden from the Lord. In other words, life had become so difficult for them. Life had become so frustrating. They had become so weary. Excuse me, by their time of captivity, that they were tempted to think, as we often do, that God is not with us. They were tempted to say that God must not see us. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said that to yourself when you've been in a situation for so long? Y'all won't talk to me. Have you ever been in a situation of powerlessness and frustration? For so long that you've begun to say to yourself, God doesn't see my needs that I have. Surely God has to know what I'm going through right now, but he ain't saying nothing. I can't get a smoke signal. I can't get no kind of connection from God. They, they were worried. I know I'm talking to somebody in here if it ain't but 10 of y'all. I know there's somebody in here that has been, hey, Rico, that has been in that situation, Michael, that has been in that situation where you felt like you had lost your connection with God. God's faithfulness seemed to be in question, and they were wondering whether God would save them in the future. Perhaps they wondered if God would abandon them and leave them behind. They had seen God's miracles in the past, but they had doubts about their present and their future. Don't you know that that's the way some of us are, that there are times that we've seen God do some things in our past? Come on, you ain't got to sit here and act like God has never done anything for you, that God has never healed your body, that God has never made a way for you, that God ain't never paid a bill, that God has never given you unexpected favor, that when you went to go and eat your dinner or your lunch in a restaurant, somebody from across the room paid for your ticket, and you were trying to figure out how you were going to get past the embarrassment of your debit card being declined, somebody ought to admit this morning that God has been faithful in our past. Can you just preach to somebody and tell them I've seen God do a whole lot of stuff. He's healed my body. He's saved my children. He's restored my marriage. He comforted me in my distress. He dried the tears from my eyes. He's been, y'all ain't saying a present help in time of trouble. Can you high five somebody and tell them I've seen his miracles? Matter of fact, I'm going to give you about eight seconds. This is the eighth anniversary.
pastor of the second location and be in two, one church in two locations. I'm going to give you about eight seconds to give God an eight-second praise for every miracle, for every mountain that he brought you over, for every trial that he brought you through. This is what I love so much about God. This is what I love so much about God because it's in their worst time. It's at their worst moment. Somebody shout at their lowest moment. That God comes and offers them a necessary and a wonderful word. He says this to his people. Forget the former things. Look at somebody say, forget your past. Don't dwell on the past. Don't spend too much crying time out too much time crying over spilled milk. I heard Dr. Rosalind Nichols say her mother told her, stop crying over the milk and get up and change the cow. You gotta stop crying over what was and what wasn't and what you were hoping for and what didn't come to pass. God says, I'm doing a new thing. My translation is God is saying to the captives, and I believe this is a word for somebody, I'm not done yet. Why don't you just preach to your name and tell them God's not done yet? Can't you hear God saying, I got an impressive track record. I got a good track record. I've seen your power with your own eyes. Yes, I brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Yes, I parted the sea and you crossed over on dry land. Yes, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Yes, I led you by a pillar of cloud by day and a light of fire by night. Yes, I split the rocks in the wilderness and gave you a abundance like the depths. Yes, I caused water to run down like rivers. Yes, I provided bread and manna from heaven when there was no piccadillas, where there was no red lobster, where there was no folks folly, where there was no Houston. Yes, I rained down meat and quail like dust. Yes, during the 40 years your clothes didn't run out, your converse didn't tab, your Nikes didn't run out. You defeated your enemies. I gave you victory over every one of your enemies, the Philistines, the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the Mennonites, the Moabites, the Ammonites could have been the Shilites. I gave you victory over every one of your enemies. I gave you victory over Sion and Og, and I brought down the walls of Jericho on your behalf. I'm not done yet. I kept disease off of you. I allowed you to walk through the wilderness for 40 years and you didn't get sick. You didn't have an immunization, no vaccination, no small spot shot, no measles shot, but I kept you even when you couldn't keep your you have seen my power but I ain't done yet look at somebody say you've seen his power I wish I could play play right behind me now y'all play right play right help me out tell somebody you've seen his power but but he's not done yet come on tell somebody you've seen his power but he's not done yet tell somebody you've seen the miracles but he ain't done yet tell somebody you've seen the doors open but God ain't done yet shake somebody's hand and tell them God is not through blessing you and God said but not only have you seen my power but I know you've been through some painful situation tell somebody I know you've seen his power but you've been through some painful situation. The pain of forced migration, the pain of hardship, the pain of being conquered, the pain of losing loved ones, the pain of living under a foreign nation, the pain of living under someone else's rule. Yes, you have seen my power and you've seen my pain, but I hear God saying to them and saying, oh, but I'm making you a promise. Look at somebody say, you don't know when to shout. I'm gonna cry it again. He said, I've seen, you've seen God's power and God has seen 
seen your pain, but in the midst of your power and your pain, and in the midst of your disappointments of the past, I hear the Holy Ghost saying, but I'm making you a promise. I'm making you a promise of a new exodus. I'm bringing you out. Exodus is the Latin form of the Greek word exodus, which is a word that means exit or going out. In other words, what I'm trying to tell somebody is that while you're here at church, while you're in worship, while you're here praising, God is working on your escape plan. God has an exit strategy. Can you find somebody and preach to them and tell them why you're praising and why you're giving God glory and why you're lifting up holy hands? God is working out your exit strategy. Do I have anybody in here that can get excited that there is no temptation that taketh you but such as is common to man? But God is faithful. Can you shake that hand and tell somebody God is faithful? He won't suffer you to be tempted above what you can stand. But with the temptation, he'll make a way for your escape so that you can stand under the pressure. Can you tell somebody God is working on a way of escape? He said, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. I'm preparing an exit strategy. I got an exit plan. And guess what God said, I'm doing it right now. It's not next month. It's in the text. It's not next year. It's in the text. It's not next week. But God says, I am doing a new thing. Somebody shout present tense. I'm not getting ready to do it, but I'm already at work. I'm already working behind the scenes. I'm already rearranging some stuff. I'm already working in the supernatural. Throw your head back and give God some praise that God is already. Can you tell somebody he's already at work? So often it can become tempting to become fixated on the past performance and on our past failures. But can I tell you, I see three le two lessons in this word that God spoke to the prophet Isaiah, and then I'm going to try to bid you farewell. First of all, your history is not your destiny. Tell somebody, my history ain't my destiny. I come to tell you that history provides us with a frame of reference. It helps us understand change and how we came into being. History provides a backward glance of our lives. History has its place, but the problem is that many times, especially for people of faith, we tie our destiny, our future, and our plans to our history. We tie the future of our life story up to a certain point, and there are times when they are connected. But I've come to tell somebody that your past does not equal your potential. What we need in the body of Christ is a radical breakthrough in our belief system from one that is not just focused on my experiences, but one that's focused on the possibilities of the God I serve. Can you preach to your neighbor and tell him that the things that are impossible with man are possible with God? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and it shall move and nothing shall be impossible to you so you had a bad relationship 
Does that mean that the rest of your relationships for the rest of your life are going to be bad? So what you made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. So what you had a career obstacle. Maybe you lost a job, had to file bankruptcy, lost your business. Your past doesn't have to define the rest of your life. The history books are full of folk that fail and they got back up again. This church is full of folk that fail and they got back up again. You ought to throw your head back and say, we fall down, but we get back up again. Because when you believe God, when you're convinced of what the word says, that in all things, God works together for the good of them that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. Somebody shout, my history is not my destiny. But here's the second thing that I hear Isaiah saying. He said, my condition is not my conclusion. Notice what the text says. God doesn't speak to them when they come out of exile, but he speaks to them while they're in the middle of captivity. Oh, some of y'all miss your place to shout, which suggests to me that God has a higher estimation of what you can do, that God has a higher estimation of what your future holds than you have for yourself. Come here, Gideon, and testify. When Gideon was hiding in a wine press, God called him a mighty man of valor. When David was in the field looking after sheep, and Samuel was looking for a king, and everybody else saw a shepherd, but David saw a king. When Israel wanted a king, and Samuel went to look for Saul, Saul was hiding among the, ba the baggage. And when God made his declaration to the people in Judah, they were not coming out, but they were still in. But tell somebody that my condition is not my conclusion. I'm not gonna end up where I am right now. Here's the good news of our faith. God is doing a brand new thing, a new thing in my life, a new thing in my relationship, a new thing in my finances, a new thing in my children, a new thing in my ministry, a new thing in my business, a new thing in our church. Somebody shout, God is not done yet. He who has begun a good work will bring it to completion. Come on and help me shut this thing down. Grab somebody's hand and tell them Serena ain't the only one that's not done yet. The God that I serve will pave a highway through the desert. He'll bring rivers in dry places. Oh, shucks here. Can I preach it? like I feel it. Grab somebody and prophesy and tell them while you're in a dry place, while the sun ain't shining, while you're in a dark place, the word of the Lord is that God is doing a new thing. Not next week, not next month, not next year, but right now, a new thing in my a new thing in my health, a new thing in my finances, a new thing in my children. Somebody shout, God ain't done yet. Shout yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. For it does not yet appear what I am going to be, but 
Yeah! Don't be weary in well-doing. In due season, you gonna reap if you don't faint. We've been made and do it for a night, but joy, yeah! Joy, yeah! Joy, yeah! It's coming in the morning. Find three people, tell them God ain't done yet. Find a neighbor, any neighbor. You talking to the wrong neighbor. Find somebody that's got faith. Find somebody that still believe. Find somebody that ain't too cute. Find somebody that's not ashamed. Find somebody that ain't sophisticated. Tell them God ain't done yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. shadow of death I will feel no evil God is with me his rod and his staff it comforts me he'll prepare a table somebody shout a table go thank him for the table in the presence of my enemies he'll anoint my head with all my cup runneth over oh shucks Give him praise. Shake that hand. Tell your neighbor, God ain't done yet. He who has begun to work, go bring it to completion. Find somebody and tell him God's going to finish what he started. You talking to the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody God's going to finish what he started. It ain't going to end like this. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word. 